Hi, you're listening to another message from Sunny Hill Church. Our prayer is that these messages encourage, empower, edify, and equip you to live for Christ in 2023. Be blessed as you listen in. try and be led by the Spirit today. I just want to, sorry, before we start, um, just being here, sorry, excuse me, uh, what's your name? Tom. I just felt I had a word for you, Tom, if that's okay. Yeah, for you. Um, I just really felt God put on my heart to say something to you, Tom. Um, I just feel like God wants to speak to you that he has put something very, very strong in your life. Sometimes God gives me words and it's yeah, I, I don't know what to, I have to speak it, but I feel like God's saying he's put something very strong in your life. And sometimes maybe you have felt a bit weak in places or you felt, I don't have much to offer. I feel like God wants to say that's not true. There is something powerfully strong in your life and you are going to change the lives of many, many people around you. Um, I just, I really felt like in all this room, I just got a sense powerfully just in that God had his eyes just on you. So I just want to share that with you. Um, I want to start by, by saying something today. I felt God say this, say this first. I want to, I felt like God want to say, don't be discouraged. Um, I think it's easy to be discouraged right now. Right? You look at the world, you look at the news, you look at what's happening in maybe government, in war, in different nations. It's easy to feel, wow, what a mess. And I feel like God wants to say to people in here today, do not be discouraged. One of the privileges we have as being missionaries is we get to see what the news doesn't show, which is what God is doing in the world. Now, I, I believe this honestly. If, if we could see, if we could see everything that God is doing in the world right now, you would not worry about anything. Seriously. If you could see what God is doing right now, you'd walk around with a big smile on your face like, wow, look at what we're a part of. The devil tries to hide this from you all the time. He doesn't want you to see that. He wants us to be discouraged because then we sit back and we think, I can't do much. Um, this morning, I was, I was really touched by something. Um, it was when, when you guys were praying for us and it was all the, it was all the kids that came to pray for us. Like, that really hit me. Um, that's amazing. You know, I don't want to speak as this is a word from the God, but there is something on my heart for a number of years which is saying that this young generation are the ones who are going to see the Great Commission finished and the ones who are going to see Jesus come back. Like, I, that's, that's been on my heart. And I want to say that as an encouragement to parents as well, because there's many parents in here who are feeling like, I feel like I've got a lot of time with kids right now. That's a lot of my focus. I don't have a lot of time to do, like, ministry. And I just feel like God said, no, you are raising up the generation, which is going to be the most important generation in the history of the world. And that's a big responsibility. And that's not nothing. Um, yeah, I want to start with the scripture today. Uh, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says this, The creation waits in eager expectation... 
for the children of God to be revealed. Right? The world is waiting. It's, it's desperate for the children of God to be revealed. Who are these children of God? It's a very quiet answer. Yeah. It's us. Right? The world isn't waiting for governments and finance and policy change. What is the world desperate for? You. Right? We are the answer. The world is desperate for the children of God to be revealed, waiting for this to happen, waiting for us to stand up and step into who God has already made us to be. You know, so this, you know, Dom asked me to speak about discipleship and, and the influence of a disciple. I, I believe there are, there are many believers of Jesus in the world. There are not so many disciples. Right? There are many believers, there are not so many disciples. And I think, you know, as I, as I think about what we do, Joe and I and our team and, and different missions groups, I think if I, could, if I could put it into one line of what we're called to, I'd say we are called to make disciples. Not converts. Not people who come to church, but Disciples. Because what's the difference between a believer and a disciple? Right, a believer can be, can be static. Right? I can sit at home and believe something. I can believe something and do nothing about it. Right? I can say I believe this, this, this. But a disciple is someone who moves. To be a disciple, you have to be actually following, obeying, going somewhere, changing. It's, it's dynamic. You know, that's a challenge for me too because... Which one, which one am I all the time? You know, in Jesus' time, when, when the rabbis would come and they would, they would say to someone like Jesus did, come follow me, be my disciple, there was, there was a meaning behind that. And what they were effectively saying when they chose someone to say, come and be my disciple, is they're saying, I believe you have it in you to be just like me. When Jesus calls us to be his disciples, he is saying that, I believe you have it in you to be just like me. He's saying that to you. You know, and a disciple is someone who, who naturally, when you are a disciple, you will naturally have an influence on the world around you. You will naturally start to bring a shift in every conversation, everything you're doing, because you are not static, you are moving forward. You know, I want to share a little bit today, because I think for me, um, for me to understand and start to recognize I had that influence, I had to shift my understanding of the gospel. I had to shift, fundamentally, the way I saw the gospel. Um, because, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I had an idea of what the gospel was. If we have the first slide, I think it was, my idea of the gospel was something like this, right? In that I'm born, right? And then one day I'm going to die. And then after I die, I will either go to heaven or to hell, right? That was my idea of the gospel. And based on, do I, am I a Christian? Do I believe Jesus? That will determine which way I go at the end. If I believe Jesus, I'll go that way. If I don't, I'm going to go that way. And so when I was young, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, 
The biggest reason I became a Christian as a kid was because I was terrified of going to that one. Right? It was scary. The idea of eternity in these flames, you know, forever, that was like terrifying for a little kid. And so I, again, I don't know if you can relate to this, I think I said the, you know, the sinner's prayer, I probably said it like 20 times, just because I'm not sure, right? Did I get it right the time before? Maybe I said the words wrong and I'm not actually saved and I'm, I'm not, not really in yet. Um, and almost what we've got with that is we have Jesus as a, a hell insurance policy, right? He's our ticket after we die to make sure we don't go that way, we go the right way. That's, that's how I saw it. I think that's how many people see it. But the problem with that is that, firstly, obviously, it's not completely biblical. But secondly, the problem is, is it sees heaven as a, a future thing. Right? And it doesn't necessarily have to affect my life now that much. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Because I'm a Christian, there's certain things I should do, like go to church and do this and this. But ultimately, it's the future that, that I've got covered now. Right, so if my life's terrible, it's okay, I'm going to heaven one day. I'll be all right. But what the Bible talks about heaven, it doesn't talk about it as a future place. The Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven, says the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? Let's see the kingdom of heaven come into our world here and now. Let's bring the kingdom of heaven in. So I want to, I want to shift to a different way of seeing the gospel. Um, so let's go through this. I'm, gonna, I'm not good with timing. We're going to try and do this in the time we've got. But let's, uh, let's go to the first one. Uh, back one, it says, the, yes, so in the beginning, this is the beginning, right? We agree with this. In the beginning, we had God. Um, and God is eternal. God has always been there. And also, which is very critical for our ministry amongst Muslims, we believe God was always three in one. Yeah? That's not something they believe if you're a Muslim. You believe God is only one, and that's a very important thing. But we believe God is three in one. Um, always, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's always throughout history. And, and that's, that's actually really important for many reasons, but one I want to bring out, which is that if God was not always three in one, then that means that God could not have always been relational. It means that God could not have always been love. Because in order to love, you need someone to love. Right? To have relationship, there has to be more than one person. But because we know that God is three in one, we can know that throughout eternity there has always been love, relationship, intimacy. That is who God is. Now, the first question I want to come with this. God decided to create us. Why? Right? God's perfect. He's got joy. He's got love. He's got everything. And God knows. He knows if I create these people, there is going to be some problems. Right? There's, going to be, there's going to be death and murder and war and rape. There's going to be atrocities and genocides. There's going to be a lot of people who turn from him. It's going, to, it's going to lead to his death. So why does God make us knowing there's going to be that much pain? It's a good question. Something that I encourage you to look at yourself. I think it's a great, great thing to look at. And I, I don't... <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but I would say the closest approximation I've got is this. I want you to imagine, imagine if there was a really good marriage. Um, let's take Joe and Colin as an example. Really good marriage. So just imagine, right, you've, 
They've just gotten married. And imagine if you were, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't exist in real life, but imagine a perfect relationship, okay? A husband and wife, there is absolutely perfect relationship. They love each other 100%. Everything is beautiful. There is no argument. There is no disunity. They are completely in oneness, <laughs> completely in joy. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> um, everything is perfect in their relationship. Now, if you had a perfect relationship, what could you possibly add to that? What could you possibly add if you had the perfect relationship? Children. Children. Now, let me ask you this, parents. Does having children make your life easier? <laughs> All right? But we still want them. It may, no, it doesn't, right? You, you, uh, you give up sleep, and it's going to be the rest of your life is going to be tough. But, <laughs> but if you ask a parent, would you change that, and would you change that, then they'd say, no, it's because it's worth it. It's worth the potential sleepless nights and the pain and the hurt. Why? And I think this is something, something, a glimpse similar to God, because there is something in the nature of love. When you, the more love you have, the more you want to give it, and the more you want to expand the size of your family, the more you want it to grow. And I believe in the same way. There's something in the nature of who God is that he had something so good he said, we want more people to come into this beauty, this bliss. Now, that, why is that important for us? Because we need to know that the purpose of discipleship, the place we're going, is not the end goal is not submission or obedience. The end goal is to lead people into the utter joy of being part of the family of God. That is why we were made. We were made for joy. We were made to be completely filled with who he is. That's where we're going with this. That's what God has for us. So God makes, he makes the world. Uh, next one. Um, he makes this, he makes our world, and he puts people in it, and everything is the kingdom of God, right? They walked with God in the garden. They had that intimate relationship with God. And then something went wrong. Something went wrong. Now, if you remember in the garden, there were two trees, right? What are the two trees? We've got the tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. Um, not the evil tree and the good tree, right? We've got this one, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why is that wrong to know good and evil? Surely that's a good thing, right? You know the difference between good and evil. Now, this is a, probably a big topic, but just I believe what's happening is this, is this tree, this, if you like, if we were to rename this tree, this is the tree of saying, we can do stuff without God. This is the tree of utter dependence on God. This is the tree of, if I know good and evil, that means I don't need to rely on him anymore. I can choose for myself what is good. This is the tree of independence. Now, why is that important? Because some of us, including myself, we still eat from this tree on a regular basis. I can decide for myself. I can figure out my own way through life. I can figure out what's right and wrong. I don't need to be hopelessly dependent on him. So we made that choice. People made the choice to say we want to be separate from God. And what happened is, next page, that our world became dark. We became blind to who God is. Right? The kingdom of God is still everywhere, right? God is infinite. Everywhere is the kingdom of God, but we became blind to who God is. 
You know, it's, it's a bit like this, I think. You know, my parents used to, used to visit many, many different old people in their homes. And one of the sad things you see is when people have Alzheimer's. And um, I think one of the saddest things I've seen is when you have a couple who have loved each other for a long time. And then one day, one of them has Alzheimer's. One day, the husband or the wife goes to visit. And their husband or wife looks at them and they don't recognize them anymore. And they're afraid of them. Right, to see the person you love look back at you with fear because they don't know you anymore. And that's a little bit of the heart of God. The people who he created looked at him with fear because they no longer knew him. So what does God do? God sends people, he sends messengers, he sends people to say, okay, you know you want to do it your own way? Here's some rules, try it. He sends people to talk about himself, but people don't understand until, so what does God do? What's the only answer? If you like my, my lovely PowerPoint there, I made that last week. God comes himself into our world. God comes himself into our world. It says this in the Bible. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. In John chapter 1, it says this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The light came into our world. Now, this is amazing because Jesus became completely human. He didn't still have his godlike power. He became completely one of us with one difference. The difference is he was not blind to the love of the Father. He was not blind to who his Father was. He lived out, if we can go back to that slide, he lived out God's kingdom in our dark world. Right? He was in this world, but he was living truth. If you like, you could say it this way. Jesus was not special. You could almost say this. He was the one normal person in a world of blind people. Right? He was living out truth in our world. And in the kingdom of God, right? In the kingdom of God, there is no sickness. So what happens when kingdom of God, no sickness, encounters someone who is sick? Sickness goes. Healing. Jesus was simply living out truth in a world which is blind and broken. And we couldn't stand that. All right? Because we hate it. The world hates it when someone doesn't fit in with who they are. So we killed Jesus. Here's a question I often ask when I'm doing teaching um, in different places around the world, I ask people, who died on the cross? And the answer they give is, Jesus. And then I ask them, who else? And normally the answer is, uh, maybe like the two thieves, right? They, they died too, maybe some other criminals. Turn to, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 
It says this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. So who died? All of us. Right? We all died. Because we were all a part of this blindness. Jesus died so that we might die with him, so that we might also be resurrected with him. So that, if we go to the next slide, so that we could be living out the kingdom of God in this dark world. So that we could be no longer part of the system of this world, but part of a completely different way of life. A completely different citizenship. Right, let's read what the Bible says about this. Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Right, guys, we need to understand, I need to understand that we do not belong to this world anymore. We are not members of this world anymore. That's why we do the things we do. We, we don't read the Bible because that's a, a Christian thing to do. We don't worship because that's what Christians are supposed to do. We read the Bible because this world is full of lies and we need something of truth to connect us to who we really are. We worship because we are already in the kingdom of heaven, and in the kingdom of heaven is a place of worship. Right? When we do these things, we are not trying to build up good points. We are living out who we already are. Right? We are, we are completely separate from the system of this world. We are lifted above it now. Right, we need to understand that and we need to start changing the way we see the world around us. Because it's not, it's not that complicated. It's difficult, but it's not complicated. Because how do we influence the world around us? We need to know first that I have a whole new identity, that I am part of a different kingdom. And simply we need to do this, we need to stop hiding that we need to stop hiding that you know sometimes we think oh to be a to be a powerful influence I have to be one of those you know evangelists or I need to go out on the street corner with a, a sandwich board and I have to do all this stuff maybe God's calling you to do that but you don't have to do that right it's much it's much more simple than that all you have to do is stop hiding stop being someone different in church to how you are when you're not all you have to do is start saying, you know, I'm going to unapologetically be a believer in Jesus. I'm going to bring prayer into my daily life, even if I'm not with Christians. I'm going to talk about Jesus as part of my daily conversation. 
I'm going to be who I am and not be ashamed of that. Right, in some ways, for you know, you talk about us on the front line. I think it's easier for us as missionaries sometimes. It's easier because, you know, I was saying this to Dom the other day. I feel strange every day already, right? I already don't fit in. I already have people, like, laughing at me because my language sucks and because I don't understand the culture, right? So it's not too hard to stand out that little bit more. But we need to understand, even if you're in, you're British and you're in England, you are not, that's not your passport anymore. You have Kingdom of Heaven passport now. It's time to recognize I don't need to fit into this culture anymore because I am not a part of this culture anymore. This is not my true home, and it's okay if I look very different. Right? This is what Jesus did. This is what the disciples did. They just stood out and looked different. They just said, I'm not going to apologize for who I now am. And yes, when you do that, there will be times when people will hate you for it. But you cannot have influence unless you're willing to look different. You have influence when you are willing to stand out from the crowd and do it confidently. And people will see that, and at first they will hate you for it. But some will look at that and they'll say, wow, I want what that person's got. I want what you've got. Because the world is a world of hiding and fitting in. And they know it. Everyone in the world is, is afraid. I, I, want to, I want to be included. I don't want to be on the outside. I'm going to be careful what I say, what I do. Because what if I'm excluded? What if I'm pushed out? And the world is looking for where is someone who is willing to stand up and just be full of love, full of truth, and unashamed to do that. Right? Now, we can do that because we are part of this kingdom of heaven. Because one day, that dark part, that's going to be gone. And only the light is going to be left. Only the kingdom of God will be left. That will all be disappeared. Everything of lies and deceit and sickness and death is all going to pass away. And what is of truth will remain. You know, for me, when I was first, when I was first beginning to... Uh, to follow Jesus, God spoke a story to me. Um, I've, I've had that a few times in my life where God just kind of gives me a story. And he showed me this story. And in this story, there was uh, a farmer. And this farmer had an okay life. Right? He, was, he was every day, he was going out to his fields and doing his work. And he had food to eat and a nice house. And in the story God showed me, um, one day in this farmer's village, in rides this, this warrior. And the warrior had scars on his face and carried this armor and looked scary. And the warrior in this picture I got rides up to the farmer and says to the farmer, I want you to come with me. And in my picture, I recognize this. Okay, the farmer has a choice now. He knows. He knows if he goes with this warrior, his life is going to be tougher. Right? He's going to sleep outside sometimes. He's not always going to have food to eat. He's going to be in battles and fights. He's probably going to get hurt. He's going to be uncomfortable. But at the same time, 
He knows that if he goes with this warrior, he's going to do something meaningful. Maybe he'll rescue a princess. Maybe, maybe he will meet the king. Maybe he'll be a part of a battle that means something. And he knows one day as well, one day he will return to the village and he will be changed. He will look like this warrior. He will become like this warrior. The other choice is this. He could stay. If he stays, life will be safe, right? It'll be okay. He'll have food to eat every day. It's stable. But maybe he'll always be wondering what would have happened if I'd gone. Now, when God told me that story, I recognized he was saying, you are that farmer. You are that man. And you have a choice. You don't have to do what I'm asking you to do. It's not sin if you stay. But God's saying, I want you to come with me. It was a call to discipleship. I want you to come and become like me. And I, by the grace of God, I chose to say yes. And my life was not the same afterwards. And it was tough. But I don't regret it for one moment. And I believe God is saying to each one of us in this room, maybe you've already been a believer for a long time. Maybe there's things you're, you've already done and, and maybe in a great place with God. But I believe God is saying in a whole new level, I want you to come with me. Not just a believer, but to be a follower, to be a disciple. And I want to bring influence through life. I want you to stop hiding anything of who you are. To be unashamed to say, I am a lover of Jesus. Right? This, is, this is who I am now. And if the world hates me, that's okay. Right? We died to this world. And we are now alive to a whole new world. And I want to ask you, when we do that, you know, sometimes it's so easy to get to get mixed up in the mess of what this world is. Like, because that's what we see every day. And we get mixed up in all the mess that's around us and the, the things that have to happen, the things of work. And those are not bad things. But we get so consumed by it. And I believe when we, when we step into that place of discipleship, we're saying we're stepping above all of that. We're embracing being different. And it's only when you step above that you can actually see clearly. You know, the Bible says it this way. Seek first his kingdom and everything else is added. If you are willing to step into a place where you say, okay, you, Jesus. You first. You, you and everything. All of that stuff will get sorted. I promise you. Embrace being different. Embrace being a child of God. Embrace being a disciple. Embrace that you no longer belong to this world, but you belong to a different world. We are just temporarily here. And if you do that, God, God can take us anywhere and do anything. Nothing is impossible. We'll do one more scripture. Um, this is from Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus says this, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
The world needs us. And you might look at yourself and think, what do I have to offer? But God looks at you and says, you have me in you. The world needs us. And I believe there is a call from God to the church around the world saying, now is the time to stand up. Now is the time to be different. Now is the time to take your stand. Now is the time to go out and show the world a different way of doing things, a way of the kingdom of God. A way of servanthood, a way of authority. And God wants to pour his influence with you as you follow him. Let me pray. God, I just thank you. I just feel as I walk into this church this morning, God, there is a just a real sense of power in this place. God, I believe you've already been moving in this church in preparation for something that you've been preparing the hearts and minds in this place, God, because yes, you want to bless us, God. Yes, you want to set us free, but that freedom and that blessing is just the beginning. That is not the goal. That is just the beginning of the powerful story each one of us is going to be telling in this world, of the story you are telling through us, God. I just pray, God, for each person, for each of us in this room, that we would see ourselves the way you see us. That where we've been held back by fears, by doubts, where we've been consumed with the things that are temporary, where we've been afraid to step out and influence, because what will people think of us? That we would be afraid no longer. Because you are with us to the end of the age. I pray that we'd no longer live in insecurity, God, but we'd recognize that you have given us a whole new identity, that we have an eternal kingdom, and we can stand up and say, yes, I am proud to be a follower of Jesus. I am proud to shout out the name of Jesus from the rooftops. I am proud to say, yes, I love Jesus, and he is my life. He is the only way. that we would show a different way of living, that we would live in unity and love, that we would respond to hatred and anger with forgiveness, with life, with love. Because your power lives in us, Jesus. Come use this church, God. Use us as your church to shine your light, God. In a world that needs direction and hope, let us shine your light without compromise. Jesus, you said if the world hated me, it will hate you too. But you also said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. May we live as overcomers, Jesus, because you are living in us. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.